Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. How are y'all doing this morning? That wasn't that convincing. Gray! Are you doing great? You know, Jennifer and I, we've been struggling with some sickness and such, and she's she's had quite a cough lately. And, you know, a lot of people in the body of Christ, I, I see them running around with their heads down between their knees going, I'm under attack. We're not under attack. Let me tell you what we're under. We're under the blood. We're under an open heaven. We're under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and the devil is under our feet. Amen. All right, well, I, I got a full-strength gospel message for you, so put on your seat belts and brace yourself for some good news. You know, the gospel isn't just for lost people. It sure has a great effect on me. You know, and I, I sit around and prepare all these messages and, you know, familiarize myself again with, with the scriptures. And every time I do, I, you know, I get really charged up. So would you like to get charged up? The gospel is the power of God. Amen. All right. Well, this, this gospel message is, um, is kind of geared toward um, that attribute of God, his faithfulness. You know, the word faithful appears in the Bible over 250 times, I think God's trying to tell us something. And, you know, every time something goes wrong, what's the first thing we think? Oh, man, God, where are you now? Right? And you start praying and nothing happens. God, where are you now? Well, he's faithful. Whether you believe it or not, he is, and he will show up, and he will answer your prayers. He is going to come through for you, and uh, maybe you haven't figured that out yet, or maybe you figured it out several times and then unfigured it out, and now you need to figure it out again because now you're facing something else. It's like, I don't know, God, are you really going to come through this time? I know you did the last three times, and he is. He's a faithful God. Amen? So... um, this first part of this message, I just want to talk about his faithfulness in, in more general terms. Um, do I have slides? Do we have slides? All right. Unshakable. This message is called Unshakable because what we get when we get saved can't be shaken because he's faithful. That's what this message is about. The first um, scripture I want to share is James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, from whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. And the no variation and shadow of turning part is the part that I'm focused on there. That means he never changes. He's always the same. If he was faithful to you in the past, is he going to be faithful to you now? Is he going to be faithful to you in the future? Is he always the same? Next it's Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should change his mind as he speak and then not act as he promise and not fulfill. Well, why would God even put that in the Bible? 
It's because we're surrounded by situations and people, circumstances where, you know, things can't be depended on, right? Maybe you trusted somebody to come through for you and they didn't. People disappoint us. People change their minds about us. You ever, you know, you see somebody one day and they're just so glad to see you and they shake your hand and smile at you. And then the next time you see them, they act like they don't even know who you are. People change their minds. But God will never change his mind about you. He's not going to change, period. He's always the same in every aspect. He does speak, and when he speaks, he will act. And if he promises, he will fulfill it. You can stand on his promises, and you know that he's going to come through. It may not be in your time frame, and it may not happen the way that you thought it ought to happen, but he's, he's going to do something better than you had in mind anyway. Next is Psalm 146, verse 6. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful for how long? Yeah, forever. That's a long time. He's not going to quit being faithful. Psalm 89, verse 7 through 9. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and what? Faithfulness go before you. And there's, you know, there's like a zillion scriptures in the Bible that sound exactly like that one. I mean, if I would stand here and read them all, we'd be here for hours. The Bible is jam-packed with scriptures about God's faithfulness. As I said in the beginning, 250 times he uses the word faithful in his word. That's one thing that we've, we've got to get hold of. You know, your very salvation is based on you trusting him. Have you decided to trust Jesus with your eternity? When you called on his name one day, were you believing he's going to take care of me forever now? Well, that's trust. And he wants you to trust you. He wants you to trust him in all things. Amen. All right. We tend to project our beliefs about God based on experiences that we have in life, especially with human relationships. And so, like, maybe your dad was a big disappointment. So you figure, well, God's going to be a big disappointment. Maybe you can never trust your family members to take care of you or for your home to be a safe place for you to grow up. And you think, well, somehow God is going to be like that too because it's just human nature. Okay, it's not like you're not a smart person. <laughs> it's, that's just where we all start from. But we need to discover that he is faithful even if you've never met a faithful person in your whole life. And so that brings us to this scripture, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Lord is telling us, look, folks, I'm not like you at all. 
I'm not anything like anybody you have ever met. Even the most faithful person you've ever dealt with in your life is no match for me, says the Lord. I am a faithful, faithful, faithful God. I'm faithful for all of eternity. You can always trust me. People may disappoint even with the best of intentions, but the Lord has the wherewithal to always keep his promises. There's nothing that can stop him. Amen? Hebrews 13, chapter 13, verse 5. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And maybe there's people in your life that have left you. They've forsaken you. They divorced you. Maybe your dad walked out on you. Maybe you've had people, you know, that were your friends and they, they were offended by something or just lost interest. And next thing you know, they've just, they've just dropped off of your life. God wants you to know, I'm never doing that to you. If I'm here today in your life, I'm here tomorrow and forever for all of eternity in your life. I'm never leaving you. I'm never forsaking you. And, you know, when things go wrong, what's the first thing we think of? Well, I guess God's forgotten about me. Right? It's just human nature. That's just the first thing we go to. And, of course, the devil would like to help you with that little doubt project. <laughs> you like to pour a little gas on that fire and whisper a few things in your ear like, yeah, you, you know, God's really holding out on you. He's, he's just bad. Right? God, God, he's got a good reason to forget about you, and here's what it is. And he'll just load you up with all kind of lies. Amen? But this is the truth. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Jesus is the one who's faithful and true. Amen? You can always trust him. You can trust him more than your experience in life, more than that chair that you're sitting in right now that you're, you're trusting it's going to keep holding you up through the service and it's not going to collapse on you. You ever, you ever seen that happen? One time I was in a business meeting. It was a brand new company. And... Um, we didn't even have furniture yet. And so somebody brought in some old plastic lawn chairs from their house and say, we're having this real serious business meeting and we're sitting around in these plastic lawn chairs. And suddenly there's this sound. It sounded like an M80 blew up. Pow! And suddenly you see one of the chairs starting to go. Clack! This guy's like laying on his side on the floor. I thought we would never stop laughing. It was so funny. We're expecting our chairs to hold us up, but, you know, you can depend on Jesus a lot more than that. Amen? You're expecting the sun to come up tomorrow morning, but you can depend on Jesus even more than that. Next is Psalm 27, verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. We kind of expect our parents to always be there for us, but sometimes they're not. And, you know, in the places that I typically preach, that happens a lot where the parents will just say, you know, please don't come back. We, we can't handle you anymore. You've lied to me one too many times. It's because they're, in most cases they're struggling with drugs and people struggling with 
drugs tend to tell a lot of lies to cover, you know, and try to control and manipulate and just kind of navigate their situation so that they end up with more drugs. And, uh, you know, as parents, you know, parents are wonderful and they, they love their kids, but sometimes they just can't deal with lies, you know, and they finally say, you know, I just can't believe anything that you say anymore. But you know what? No matter how much you lie or whatever you do, I don't care if you're the most rotten person to ever live. God will be faithful to you and he will love you and he's never going to stop. Because that's who he is. That's his character. He's not going to stop being who he is because of you. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Before I go through that, I just want to talk about 1 Corinthians 3 in general. It's an awesome chapter in your Bible. And if you're a note taker, I'd, I would jot down 1 Corinthians 3 and then right next to it, read it. Go back and read it because it's awesome. Now, 1 Corinthians 3 is actually a discussion on a topic about something called rewards. And I'm not here to talk about rewards today, but it's, a, it's an awesome topic. Um, so why am I talking about it? It's because woven into that discussion on receiving rewards is an interesting revelation about how salvation actually works. So it, it kind of goes like this. You know, suppose, you know, you got saved and then you live maybe another 30 years or 50 years or whatever, and then you finally die. And in that period of time, what did you do? Well, suppose you didn't do nothing. You were a complete waste. You just spent your whole time playing video games, and you just didn't do anything for the Lord. It says, well, when judgment day comes, your reward is going to be based on nothing. Okay? And so that those worthless deeds are like wood, hay, and stubble. And what happens when you throw wood, hay, and stubble into the fire? It burns up, right? Poof. Well, that's good because you don't want to be stuck with all that anyway. Right? But suppose you got saved, you lived another 20 years or 50 years or whatever, and then eventually you died. And during that time, you did some good things for the Lord. The Bible says, those are like silver and gold and precious jewels. And you will receive an eternal, never-ending, mind-blowing reward that it never ends for what you did for the Lord. Kind of makes you want to serve the Lord. Well, it says, but if you, if you did nothing and you got no rewards... It says you will still enter heaven, but like one escaping through the flames. Well, the people I usually preach to, they know they've never done anything good for God. And they can't even picture themselves doing anything good for God. But they know they can call on Jesus and receive eternal life for him. And so, you know, the good news for them is if you grab a hold of Jesus and hang on for dear life, you're going to make it. 
even if you can't figure out how to do anything good with your life. That's his promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so the scripture you see on the screen, which is part of this, it says no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Imagine that you're, you're in a building kind of like this one, you know, and it's, it's got a concrete slab as the foundation. Maybe the rest of the building is made out of wood, let's say. And one day the building catches on fire and burns up. What's left? That's right. That concrete slab. Jesus is our concrete slab. If everything in your life goes bad and you, you have nothing to show on Judgment Day, anything good you've ever done in your life, Jesus Christ is your foundation. So put your trust in him and don't ever give up on him because he's faithful and he will never give up on you. You have no reason to end up in hell. All you've got to do is call on the name of the Lord and never give up on believing, even if everything in your life never turns out right. Likewise, 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But the firm foundation laid by God stands, sure and unshaken, bearing the seal. This inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. So Jesus, he is our foundation, and he is our unshakable foundation. Likewise, Hebrews 12 Verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God with, by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Do you want to be radical for Jesus? Do you want to worship him with holy fear and awe? If you think that God is sitting up there with a big old baseball bat waiting to crack you over the head as soon as you mess up, then you know you might not get so radical for him because you're you're concerned about your relationship with him. You need to know he's always glad to see you. And he loves you no matter what you do. And he's not out to condemn you, he's out to bless you. And you can worship him with holy fear and awe if you finally reach the point where you realize that he's never going to yank the rug out from under you. You know, it's, it's easy for us to all sit in church and, you know, have our, all of our bright orange shirts on. I think y'all forgot y'all didn't get the memo on that. Did you? Yeah. Y'all need, y'all should all come with orange shirts on today. I think it's easiest for us to come here looking good and everything's, just going great. Praise the Lord. But as soon as something goes wrong, all hell breaks loose in your life, and it feels like God has completely forgotten you, and you think, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe God's mad at me. Maybe my relationship with him has been terminated. That's why I'm here today to tell you he's a faithful God, and that's never going to happen. No matter what goes wrong in your life, even if it's everything all at the same time, you need to know that, that you still stand with him because of Jesus. 
that one day when you called on his name, Jesus saved me from hell, he saved you. And now you're his forever, not till just the next time everything goes wrong. Okay? Psalm 95, verse 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Interesting that the Lord uses the word rock to describe himself. If there is a gigantic boulder right here in the middle of this sanctuary, all of us together wouldn't be able to move it. And he uses that word rock to remind us He's not going anywhere. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even if your own parents reject you, I will accept you and receive you no matter what, in any situation. You know, Jesus said, you know, everyone who comes to me, I will by no means refuse. Anyone can come to him anytime, whether they're lost or saved. In fact, if you're lost, you really need to come to him. (laughs) But the door's always wide open. He's always glad to see us. He always wants us to climb up in his lap and tell us, tell him all about it. Amen? He's, he's our rock. He's not the flake of our salvation. He's not the tumbleweed of our salvation. He's not the marshmallow or bag of potato chips of our salvation. He's the rock. Amen? Then there's this whole way of looking at this from the standpoint of the bride and the bridegroom. You know, marriage is supposed to be till death do you part. Sometimes maybe you wish they would die a little sooner, but or they, they wish you would die a little sooner, but <clears throat> it's till death do we part, Right? That's keeping a promise. That's being trustworthy. That's being faithful to one another. Marriage is about faithfulness and trust. If you don't have trust, you've got no marriage. Jennifer trusts me in spite of me. She never doubts. She never checks up on me or tries to figure out what I might be up to. She knows I'm always up to something good. Amen? Well, when you get saved, you become the bride of Christ, and Jesus becomes your bridegroom. And even if husbands like me are always so wonderful, Jesus is always so wonderful. And the next scripture I wanted to share on that was the Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 3. It says, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. You enter into an eternal blood covenant relationship, a marriage with the Lord when you get saved. And you're not just his. He's yours. He doesn't just become Jesus to you. He becomes your Jesus. You can say he's my Jesus, not just Jesus. Amen? He's not just some guy sitting up on the throne someplace to judge you later on. He's your bridegroom. And everything that he has belongs to you. Well, we could talk about that. We could make a whole message on that. Here's another scripture along those lines. 
Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. And of course, the word children means you're his, right? You know, I, I, I preach to people who backslide a lot. They, they're totally on board with understanding what backsliding is all about. And um, I try and encourage them, let them know, you ought to be rejoicing that you backslide because that means you've got something to backslide from. But lost people got nothing to backslide from. They're just on their way to hell. They are a total nobody. But when you receive the Lord, you become an eternal somebody. Amen? Hell is a place where people are always going to be a nobody. They'll never be a somebody in hell. But you're going to be a somebody in the kingdom of God forever because you just simply called on Jesus' name one day. You might think, you know, calling on the name of the Lord, you know, does that really do it all? I mean, it seems like such a simple, trivial thing. But let me tell you something. There are billions of people all over this planet who would rather be tortured to death than call on the name of Jesus. Calling on the name of Jesus is a big deal. The last thing that Satan ever wants anybody to do is call on the name of Jesus. And the second thing that Satan never wants to see happen is for you to lead someone else to Christ so that they can call on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord is everything. I know that, you know, in this time that we have, but while we're still breathing air on this side of heaven, there's a lot of things that God wants to see happen in our lives. But whether you do a lot of good things and a lot of awesome things happen and you get, you know, like you come to Jennifer's thing and, and you get, you know, blessed with the Holy Ghost power and activated and all kind of spiritual gifts and you're just like turning the whole world upside down for Jesus, do you realize that 50 million years from now that's going to be so far in your rearview mirror that you won't even remember it? But you'll be in the kingdom because you called on his name. In my book, salvation is everything. But that's why we want these gifts. It's because we want to make salvation everything for more people. Amen? The purpose of the gifts is not so that we get to show off our gifts to each other. It's because there's a whole world of people out there who are on their way to hell right now, and they need to know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. You know, there's Bibles and churches everywhere but somebody needs to see that Jesus is alive. And guess who God wants to use for that? Every single one of us. And so we got to say yes to the gifts and yes to being activated in the gifts, even if it makes you look foolish. You're willing to look foolish for Jesus and manifest the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That used to be really scary to me, <laughs> especially when Jennifer got it before I did. It was like, man, I feel like I'm in the middle of some kind of Mike Wallace, uh, Waco, Texas expose thing or something. You know, she's, she's doing all this Holy Ghost stuff. I'm like, man, I wasn't raised in that. And she wasn't either. But she got it, and then about a year later, I got it too. I, I, I got 
I became one of them. I'm, I'm one of those people now. Backsliding children, I'm married to you. So he's affirming in that scripture twice a rock-solid, permanent relationship. He is your father. You are his child, even if you go off the deep end and you end up doing stuff you thought you would never do. That can happen. People do fall. Amen? But the Bible says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he's getting back up. That's because God understands that no matter how strong you are, you're still weak compared to him. And we can, we're all capable of completely blowing it. That's why we got to have a lot of grace for each other. Amen. And restore those who fall because it might happen six more times. <laughs> according to that, and we want to help them get back up every single time they fall. Backslide. He's married to you. Does that make sense? You are his. You're betrothed to him. You know, in the ancient Jewish wedding custom, they had something called the betrothal. Today we call it getting engaged, but it's different. Because when you get betrothed, you are legally bound to that person, and you could be punished by the law if you backed out of that. Okay? When you get betrothed, that's part one of the actual wedding. You are married to that person. That's why you remember Mary and Joseph. And Joseph, when he found out that, that Mary was pregnant, he was, he was going to divorce her. He was going to give her a bill of divorce. And he figured that's just the easy way out of that whole situation. And that's because how do you give a bill of divorce to somebody that you've never been married to? Because they were betrothed. Betrothal is marriage. They just haven't had the whole wedding ceremony yet, okay? And when you said yes to Jesus one day, you became his bride. And you were betrothed to him. You are legally bound to him. And even if you mess up everything, he's going to be faithful to you. You remember, have you ever read the book of Hosea? Right, the prophet Hosea. God told him to do some pretty nutty stuff told him to go marry a prostitute, knowing that the prostitute was going to be unfaithful to him. And it was a prophetic picture of the bride and the bridegroom and how our, our bridegroom, Jesus, he's trustworthy and true. He's faithful to the end. He does everything right. He's thoroughly good, even if we're rotten, just like that prostitute. And we prostitute ourselves to you know, watching TV and, and living in the world and, and, you know, trying to get fulfillment in things of the world when we're supposed to be living for Jesus. And he says, I don't care how rotten you are. You're still mine. You called on my name one day. You are mine, and I'm not going to let the devil have you. Isaiah 54, verse 5 says, Your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He's called the God of all the earth. He's your husband. He's not a bad husband. He's a good husband. He's true and faithful to us, even if we have no idea how to be true and faithful to him. He's a good husband. He protects us. 
He provides for us. He cares for us. He loves us. He's good, even if we're not. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He has to be faithful to you. He has to. Otherwise, he would have to disown himself. You think God is going to disown himself because you blew it? Not going to happen. Why would he have to disown himself in order to disown you? Have you ever thought about that? Why would he have to disown himself to disown you? Well, here's one way of looking at it. Everybody here has a dad, whether you ever met your dad or not. You have a, a natural biological father. And every time you look in the mirror, there he is. Maybe the color of your hair, the shape of your nose, something. Your dad's DNA is woven into every cell of your entire body. And no matter how many times you go take a shower, you can't wash him off. You're stuck with that, physically stuck with your dad, whether you like it or not. Well, when you get saved, you have a new father. We call him God. God is your spiritual father, and every part of your spirit being has God woven into it. You're stuck with him. All of his attributes, all of his goodness, all of his characteristics are woven into your spirit being. And just because you blew it one day, you can't undo all that. You are seriously stuck with your new father. His name is God. He's a good, good God. Amen? He will keep us even when we feel unkeepable. He will love us even when we feel unlovable. He will be faithful to us even when we feel like we have not been faithful to him. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Even if your own parents kick you out of the house, your daddy God will always welcome you in every time you come to him. First John chapter 3, verse 9. This is a really interesting scripture. We could probably talk about it for a while. But it kind of goes along with what I just said. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his, his, that's God's, seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he has been born of God. So that phrase, born of God, is in there a couple of times. I think God's trying to tell us something. When you get born again, when you called on Jesus' name one day, Jesus saved me, you became born of God. Instantaneously, you were born of God. and it, his seed, the seed of God, went into you, and God became your father. And you were spiritually born, and he's your father. Every part of his seed remains in you no matter what, okay? He's not going to yank it back out. He's woven into you. It's interesting. He says, 
does not sin or cannot sin. Now, you know, you might read that and go, man, I guess everybody else in the room is saved, but not me. <laughs> because I know me. I know the thoughts that I have, and they're not good. I think things every day that God would never think in a million years. Remember good old Lucifer up in heaven, the worship leader of heaven, and he gets into his head, you know, maybe I ought to be sitting on that throne instead of God. Man, he, God hit the eject button on that dude and blasted him out of heaven along with a third of the angels. He is out of here, okay? Well, what was his crime? And, you know, where's he going to end up? The lake of fire, ultimately, right? He's going to end up in the lake of fire. What was his crime? Did he uh, burn down the orphanage with the children in it? No. Did he take a chainsaw down to the mall and chop everybody up? No. What did Satan do that was so horrible that he's going to end up in the lake of fire? He was thinking. Well, I think stuff every day that's worse than that. But I'm still saved. I'm still under the blood. I'm still a child of God. Jesus didn't die on the cross to save my flesh. He died on the cross to save my spirit. That's why the, body, the, the Bible says the body without the spirit is dead. When you die, your spirit leaves your body, and it's your spirit that's going to go to heaven or hell. Amen? Everybody else is stuck with your body. They've got to figure out what to do with it. But it's your spirit that's going to take off. He died on the cross to save your spirit, not your flesh. Our flesh is a disaster. That's why we do baptisms all the time. Because baptisms are a ministry to our flesh to give us power in our flesh so that we can do something right once in a while instead of doing everything wrong. Okay? We get power over our sin nature to live for God. Baptisms are a big deal. That's why Jesus wants everybody to go get baptized as soon as they get saved so that the world can see that you are no longer overcome by sin. Sin is a big problem. It will destroy your life while you're still breathing air on this side of heaven. But if you've called on the name of, this, of Jesus, you are blood washed, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and saved to the uttermost forever and ever and ever because he's saved your spirit. So even if you don't feel so saved one day, that doesn't change your eternal destination because he is a faithful, faithful, faithful God. Amen? His seed remains. You're stuck with him whether you like it or not. Just like your dad. Color of your hair, how tall you are, the shape of your nose, whatever. Whether you like it or not, you're going to get in the shower and wash off your dad. And you're not going to get in the shower and wash off Jesus either. John chapter 1, verse 12, a well-known scripture. This is in the Amplified. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority. He gave the power. He gave the privilege, and he gave the right to become the children of God. That is, to those who believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on how wonderful they are. Is that what it says? What are we relying on? 
J-E-S-U-S, his name. That's it. We're not relying on whether we've managed to clean up our act or we never mess anything up or we get things wrong or we think things wrong all day. We have a bad attitude. We cuss people out in traffic or whatever. That's not what we're trusting in. We're trusting in the name of Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Are you trusting in Jesus or are you trusting in being a wonderful person? Do you feel like you've got your act together so much that you don't need no stinking Jesus anymore? Are you so wonderful and so holy and so righteous that Jesus has no place in your life anymore? You've graduated above and beyond. I don't know about you, but I'm hanging on to Jesus for dear life. I'm never letting go of him, and I know I can have confidence that he'll never let go of me. Have you ever walked with little kids right by a busy road? There's cars blowing by real fast. And the kids, you know, they're all wiggly, right? They, they got their own thing they want to do. It's like they have a mind of their own or something. And they, they just soon jump into that traffic as walk with you. They're just, you know, it's not all connected yet. <laughs> But you've got their hand, don't you? And no matter how much they want to run out in that street and get run over, you've got them by the hand, and they're not going to get out there. How much more does the Lord have you by the hand? You think you've got him by the hand. You're holding his hand. It's not. That's not right. He's holding your hand, and he will keep you, and you'll be his forever. we got no reason to wiggle around and try to run loose. So we need to trust in, believe in, adhere to, rely on his name. Do you believe in his name? Are you adhering to his name? That means adhere, you know, you're familiar with the word adhesive, like glue. Are you sticking with Jesus? I'm sticking with Jesus. How about you? I'm not going to fall away from him. I'm trusting in Jesus. I know he's never going to yank the rug out from under me. I can have confidence. Think about the Apostle Paul, how he turned his whole known world upside down for Jesus. What a guy. He's an exciting person to read all the things that God did in his life. But you think that he could do all that stuff if he thought that that God was just waiting for him to screw up so he could crack him over the head with a baseball bat and just yank the rug out from under him. And he fully realized that he was a wreck, right? Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says about himself, you know, man, what a wretch I am. I'm a wretch. And, of course, he was talking not about his blood-washed, forever-perfected spirit, but he was talking about his flesh. He's my flesh is a disaster. But Jesus is going to save me in the end. You need to make that distinction in your mind, flesh versus spirit. When you use words like me and I to describe yourself, what are you talking about? Because sometimes what you're talking about needs to be your flesh. And some of it needs to be your spirit. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. 
But make that distinction in your mind because Jesus has saved your spirit. He's not saved your flesh. It's going to the cemetery. Somebody's going to dig a hole and put it in. Okay? And you'll be done with it and you'll be glad. Amen? So let's believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on what? Just his name. That's it. That's all we got. You know, in evangelism, I was trained to ask this question. If you were to stand before God in judgment, if he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say to him? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? That's a fill-in-the-blank, open-ended question that the person you're talking to has to think of an answer. It's not a yes or no question. The yes or no question is an easy out for the other person. They don't have to think. They can just give you what they think is the right answer. When you were in school, which did you prefer? Multiple choice or fill in the blank? Yeah, multiple choice. You figure, okay, A, B, C, or D, I can circle one of those. Maybe I'll get it right. But, or true or false, you know, you got 50% chance. But fill in the blank. If you haven't studied, forget it. Now, you know, you have been exposed. You did not read anything. You haven't been paying attention. And, of course, you know, that, that exposes a lost person when you ask them an open-ended question like that. But what if you stood before the Lord? And he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? That's the answer. That's the only answer that any of us could ever have. Jesus. He's my answer. He's my Savior. He's the one who went to the cross for me. He's the one who shed his blood for me. He's the one who died for me. He's the one who rose again for me. He's the one who lives in me. That's my answer. Jesus. Amen? And his name. We're getting close to the end. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. You know, we can be our own worst enemy, can't we? Man, as soon as we mess up, we're like, man, I'm so rotten. Rotten. And we begin to judge ourselves and condemn ourselves. But God knows that we're going to do that. He's pretty smart. It's like he knows everything or something. And it says he's greater than our heart. It's like the Lord is saying to this in this scripture, why don't you just shut up? I don't care how much you want to condemn yourself. I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to join you in that party. I'm going to bless you and love you and be faithful to you even if you think you're rotten. It says he knows all things. So you think you're rotten because of one thing. Well, God could give you a million reasons to be rotten because he knows everything that's going on on the inside of you, and he remembers every bit of it. But instead of judging us and condemning us, he forgives us, and he loves us, and we can trust him and rely on him. Amen? And this last scripture, this is one of my favorites. I quote this one a lot. Hebrews 10, 14, 
for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And I've shared this one here at this church before. It's been maybe a few years. But it, it goes so perfectly with this message. I want to share it again. That word perfected, it ends with ED. That means past tense. That means it's already done. You're not in the process of being perfected. When you said yes to Jesus, when you called on his name, he instantaneously perfected your spirit for all of eternity. And it says those who are being sanctified. Well, being means present tense, right? That means it's happening now. You are in a process of being sanctified. And, of course, all that means is that you're beginning to discover the majesty of God. You're beginning to discover the gift and the callings and the plans and purposes, the anointing that he has for your life. What does he want you to do with your life? What does he want to see changed in your life? What Maybe there's some things you need to cut out of your life, some things you need to add to your life. That's what being sanctified is. That's, that's a process in your flesh. Now, a lot of places where I preach, you know, I, I deal with a lot of drug addicts, and, and, you know, they go through something that they call the 12 steps. And I always tell them salvation isn't a 12-step process. It's a one-step process. You call on Jesus, and you're done. You can't get any more saved than you are at that very moment. And your salvation isn't going to, like, fluctuate. Well, I'm a little less saved today. I'm a little more saved today. <laughs> Doesn't work that way, does it? Your salvation is rock solid because Jesus is rock solid. You can trust him. You can rely on him. You can stick with him. He's not yanking the rug out from under you. He's faithful, 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 faithful. Does anybody agree with that? Give me an amen. 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 All right. Would you do something crazy with me and stand up? And just be a nut for a minute. Would you be a nut with me for a minute? Y'all know how to be loud? Let me, let me give you loud lessons. Y'all need loud lessons. I want to hear y'all say hallelujah. You know, that was not really bad. Let's try it one more time. Hallelujah. Really put yourself into it. Hallelujah. All right. Y'all know how to be loud. All right. Well, let's do this loud because I like loud. See, I've got a loud shirt. So even if my message is boring, I know the shirt will keep you awake. All right. So repeat after me. There we go. Take it to the next slide. Thank you, Jesse. I command my body, soul, and spirit, my mind and what emotions and will, all that I am to receive and believe this truth that God will remain faithful to me even if I backslide. He is married to me and he will never divorce me. I receive this truth 
deep in my spirit. And I command every part of myself, body, soul, and spirit, to receive and believe and prosper in this truth. I come out of agreement with the lies of the devil that say that my own human weaknesses are more powerful than the precious shed blood of Jesus. I repent for setting my expectations of God based on my experiences with people. I renounce those lies and send them back to hell. And I come into agreement with the truth. And I say yes to joy. Yes to loving Jesus. With all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And I say yes to serving Jesus joyfully and with no shame because I'm already his beautiful, blood-washed, radiant, forever perfected bride. And I already have the total, absolute victory in him. I submit myself to God. I command all demons to flee. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me to overflowing and give me maximum joy and confidence in my salvation. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Great. All right, y'all go back to sleep. Don't be seated. Let me close out the service. Just want to pray a blessing over you. And and uh, for those of you who, you know, minister at the altar, can we just give them a hand? Thank you for coming up to the altar every week and praying with people. And uh, and I'd love for y'all, you know, if, if you're up to it, coming up here again, just go ahead and make your way up here to pray with people. You know, and something better than going to eat lunch on time is getting healed, getting delivered, whatever you really need God to do. God can use anybody, even us. Amen? Because it's not us. It's him. So have some faith, and don't worry that, you know, you're not standing in front of Benny Hinn or something. Just come to any of these people and let him pray with you and watch what the Lord does. Amen? All right, well, let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for the anointed word of God that we celebrated together today. We thank you, God, 
that you are a faithful, faithful God. And as we go out this week and we face disappointments, things that don't work out the way we want, people not doing what we want, we feel like everything's coming against us or we get sick or we wreck our car or whatever happens, God, we know that you have you don't love us any less. You haven't forsaken us. You've not forgot about us. We've somehow not fallen into something because you're disappointed with us, but you love us just as much as ever. You always do. And our salvation is always just as intact, even if we feel like you ought to just flush us down. Thank you, God, that you're faithful even when we're not. God, we ask your blessing on this body, this church body. Bless Sam and Eliza, our fearless leaders, and strengthen them with all might and power. Fill them with the word of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, and equip them mightily in ever-increasing ways to lead this body that's going to grow and prosper under their guidance. God, we ask you blessing on every single person who calls King of Glory their home. We break the power of the devil that wants to bring all kinds of destruction into our lives, and we call upon the Jesus, the name of Jesus right now, and we we pray together and agree together right now for miracles and breakthroughs and awesome testimonies coming forth this week. The goodness of God, our faithful, faithful Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.